Hello guys and welcome to episode 8 of the Foxes Fancast. On this week's episode, I speak to ex-Leicester, Liverpool and England footballer Paul Koncheski. I know I say it on every episode, but I just want to reiterate again that I really appreciate all the support. Thank you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome Paul, how are you? All good, all good, thank you. Looking forward to this, so uh, fire away mate. Uh, for those that sort of don't know enough about you, do you want to give sort of a, a quick introduction? Um, well, Paul Conchessi, like you said, played for many a clubs, but um, I had a great time at Leicester. Four fantastic years, could have been five, but enjoyed every minute of it while I was there. So I still, I still wish I was young enough to be there now at a minute. I guess we're probably best to get uh, the question that came in sort of the most about the way first, but talk us through the hair. What was... As, as Leicester fans, we sort of didn't expect it to come and then there it was. What's that all about? It's a crazy one, really, because like, like you said, I've always had a skinhead or a bald head or whatever you want to say. But um, during the summer, I started to grow it. So you, you finish a football season in mid-May and you don't go back to July. So you have six weeks. So we went away and my little, my little girl really said, Daddy, don't, don't cut your hair for, like, for the six weeks. Because I'm grey and... That's, that's probably the reason I've never, ever grow, grown my hair. But she said, like, no one can see your dad, blah, blah, blah. So we've done that and come back July. And I've, I've I kept it since then. So um, it's my little, if I ever, t- it's, I've had it, I had it shaved uh, two weeks ago now. So I went back to a number one. But my little girl was like, dad, you better grow that back now because I don't want you to go shorter. <laughs> so my little girl was on my case not to, not to cut my hair. So... Um, that's that's the only reason I I, I grew my hair because otherwise I would have kept a skinhead. There you go. I guess the perfect place to start, sort of from your perspective, is sort of where you started and um, at West Ham and then uh, moving to Charlton. Obviously, you made your debut very young. Do you reckon that was significantly beneficial to, for your career? Listen, on today's game, no no sixteen year old is really going to play in the football team, but. Back then, when I started, it, it was um, I might have been lucky because there was injuries, but I got given a chance, and um, I think it put me in good stead to know what was what was coming ahead for for future, really, because I had to grow up quick because I was with the, with the big boys, if you like. I've just left school, so you feel like you're still a little boy, but I went straight in with it with it, with the men and the big boys, and. Um, there ain't no messing around in that, that's serious stuff and it's uh, everything to play for. So looking back now, it probably put me in good stead for, for the career and for the future that I, I went on and had. Would you say then that sort of the younger lads now, they, they would benefit from playing football and they're sort of a bit protected nowadays? Or Massively, massively. Um, I think time you're 18, I think you're ready to go and play some some kind of football. If that means going on loan at a non-league team closer to, to Leicester or wherever you may be playing, in London or Essex or whatever, I think at 18, 19, you should be ready to go and play in a, in a man's environment to know to know what the real world is like and real football is like, You to win football matches, to get beat up. And what yeah, that's your job at the end of the day. And you need to know what, what, what it takes to go and win and get three points. Talking um, sort of from sort of Leicester's point of view, how how was that for you when you when you signed for Leicester? Loved it. Um, did it come out the blue? Did you did you know it was coming or? 
no, obviously the year before I went to Liverpool, um, I had I had a year there, but six months really, and then the manager got the sack, and for whatever reason, it, you know, football moves on. Um, so in that summer, I was obviously looking to move, and um, it was it was quite late on in the summer, but before uh, pre-season, that obviously my agent was talking to the club and um, and the owners, and it, it was Sven at the time, so. I had a good, not a good relationship, but Sven picked me twice for England, so he knew of me, he knew what I could do, and maybe that played a part in me signing for Leicester, that he liked me, and, and obviously I've worked with him before, so obviously speaking to him, and the owners just w- was in place, and the ambition of the club, and of what them, them men wanted, um, was something that I, I really wanted to get my teeth into. You touched quickly there on, on Sven and the fact that Sven was a manager when, when you signed. Obviously, he then moved on fairly quickly. How was that for you as a player? It's always hard, you know. A manager brings you into the club and then you never know who's coming in and they want they bring their players in or if, if you're going to be safe. It happened at Liverpool. The manager got a sack and obviously it, it was not time for me to stay there. So, again, you, you, you sign for a new club and... Three or four months later, the manager goes. So, did you know? Did you know Nigel prior to him coming to the club? Knew of him. Obviously, played against his team, his manager, and that. But on a personal note, no. Um, and obviously, knew he'd been there before, and uh, he uh, fought very highly of. So, it was. Um, I hope he hope he likes me, and I, I need to show him that he don't need to go and buy anyone else or get anyone else because I'm going to be the man for him. How was he as a, as a manager for you? Loved him. I loved every bit, every part of him. I thought um, he was a fantastic person off the pitch, but more more proven on the pitch. You know, he he, he helped us individually as a group, and he was a fantastic man. What would have been your sort of highlight uh, as as a career at Leicester? Which, if you could pick one point, probably when I first signed and we we uh, got promoted uh, in, from the Championship to the Premier League, it, it was. Um, Listen, we went went up as champions, and to be fair, I think we cruised it in that in that season. So it was um, a great team and a great great club to be at at that time. And uh, from from then on, it's, I think it's just gone one way, and it's, it's gone up. Was there any sort of regret at, at leaving sort of Leicester the year before, like of of they won the league? Looking back, probably you'd probably say yeah, um, but every footballer wants to play, you know, and. I'm coming towards the end of my career, 34, 35. A new manager comes in, younger players in in the squad and around the squad. Um, so then, then talks and chats have to be have to be made. And when a new manager came in, fair, fair play to Claudio. He said to me that you can stay around, but I'm not sure you're going to play. So like I say, as a footballer, you want to play as much as you can, especially towards the back end of your career. You you want to get as many games in as you can. So. I chose to go go on loan at QPR and um, and listen, Leicester done what they done and I, I'm I'm proud to say that I I was at the club still. Obviously, weren't part of it, but I feel I feel that I am part of it because I, I and I still have got a great connection with with the, with the people there and the owner. You know, as a player, if if you could go back and and you were offered the the choice of either playing a full season at QPR or being maybe five appearances for Leicester, but 
but winning the league? Would you are you going to pick the the win in the Premier League? Is that something that you'd never replace? Or deep down, would you not feel happy unless you were sort of out on the pitch every week? That's a, that's a very good question because deep down, I want to play. I want to play every game. But if you tell me I'm going to get a medal, that we win the league, and I'm going to get a medal, I think I'd bite the bullet because I'd love to be a Premier League winner and. Fair play to every single one of them boys that done it because they fully deserved it that year. And like I said, the club's gone, gone on and on and on. And it, 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 it's a great, great and fantastic football club. How important was the year before in that year? Like it, the, the, the blueprint that came from the season before and, and the fact that uh, as survivals go, it's, it's definitely up there in, in sort of football. How important was it that it followed through? Listen, to stay in the Premier League is a, is a mad, hard task. We all know that. Whatever, whatever season, um, you're right. It's probably one of the great escapes you, you're going to see. Um, but that don't just come from winning football matches. That, that comes from team spirit, the players, the staff. And this, the manager did not change, you know. He, his attitude was, we played, this is the way we play. We're not changing. This is us. If we win, if we win and get out of it this way... We do. If we don't, we, have, we haven't not tried. So fair play to the manager. He stuck to how he wanted to play. He might have changed the team. He might not have. I, I didn't play all the time. He, he brought Jeff in and uh, Ben in. And it, it is what it is. You have to do to stay in the Premier League. So um, whatever it takes to stay in the Premier League, he, he, he the club, the boys, they, they, they knew that and they fought hard for every single bit of it. Obviously, you touch on that and, and sort of the fact that nothing changed. And, and, and when I spoke to Dino, he said exactly the same things. From the outside in, it looked from the season, if you map the season out, there was sort of the big high at United and then it really fell away. And it was, and then we got a massive swing towards the end. It, it appears as though like something changed there and triggered a big crash and then something changed there. And, but from what you say, that that wasn't the case. What, why do you think then that there were the sort of big swings? I don't know. You know, you you don't go out to lose football matches. Whoever you and and I think you could see any Leicester fan would see we had a we had the group of players, gentlemen we had, they were, they were so close together. No matter who who played, everyone wanted to everyone to do well. So, like you say, you you go from beating Man United at home and you think, oh, this we, we we're in for a good one here, and then you go and lose a silly game. It ain't meant to be, but I know what you mean. But it, we could not get a winning winning streak going. You, there's games we should have won, we didn't. Games we shouldn't have won, maybe Man U, we've won. And then you go and draw draw games that we should be we should be winning. So we never really played badly that year. Is that is that hard as is that hard as players? You go one on one and you miss. Normally you'd go and score. Casper lets one in, but he normally would save it. It's bit of up and down, it's a bit of everything, but you can't, or we couldn't pinpoint why why we went on that little rot. And I think it was up until the Aston Villa game when I scored at home, I think that's when it turned a little bit and uh, we went on a run and we picked up results that probably we shouldn't have picked up, knowing on, on our form at the time. You touched on the sort of the United game, how, how good was that? Oh, fantastic. I, I still, uh, I still see it in my eyes now. Like, I watched it back the other day, and I think, like, from going two 0 down, Di Maria's chip, you think we're playing world class players. And at the time, 
you know, Man U was one of the best. Um, so two 0 down, and you think if we don't score the next one, this could be five, six, seven. And I remember Leo scoring just before half time, but then they go and score again. So it it, it was um, still two goal advantage, and but I think the the belief was there. Like we maybe the, the result shouldn't have been the result at the time. So we believed that there was something there for us. And I remember the team talk at half-time saying, we're in this, the next goal was vital. Obviously, man, you got it. But we knew we could create chances against a very, very, very good Man United team. And um, I remember Nuge penalty and then Richard Delac breaking down the right and Vardy getting another penalty. And it was, um, it was, it was just a phenomenal game. And obviously, even better because we beat the champions, if you like. We then we then went on to, to sort of struggle and we struggled away at Palace. How is that that reality sort of to go from that high against United to then sort of be chucked back down to earth away at Palace? Yeah, it's tough. Um, but I think it's tougher for fans. You know, play, players don't get beyond themselves a bit. You know, you you beat Man U, yeah, fantastic. But like you say, the next one, it's, it's a tough game. It ain't easy. Um, so then you go and lose... So I think it's a tough one for more the fans to take than, than the players because as a player, you go into every game, you want to win. You, you, you don't think, oh, I'm going to lose this one, but I'll win this one. You want to win every football match. And um, like you say, you go to Palace after the back of that, expecting to get three points or, and, and you don't. So you come away from it. And especially as a fan, you come away from that thinking, oh, well, that, that must have just been luck then. We beat, we beat one of the best teams and lost to one of the, probably the worst teams. So what's going on? But I think as a, as a player, you believe that you want to win every game. I know um, Vard has made comments recently and Casper spoke about it. I spoke to Dino about it. How, uh, in, in sort of your opinion, was playing with Esteban and when he it came to the club? Oh, fantastic. You know, you, you ain't going to play with a World Cup winner every, every day. Um, and I, I just think picking his brains, even experienced players like myself, picking his brains on doing this and doing that and him helping younger players as well as older players and positioning-wise and what, how we should do this and we should do that. I just think the whole experience of playing with someone who's won everything, probably, uh, you, you, you don't come across them that, that much. And to get that experience for one year with him was, was fantastic. Was there ever a thought of sort of, hang on a minute, you need to sort of step back a bit, you're coming in too far or? With him? Yeah. What, with me as well? Well, no, we, as, as you as players, as, as a team, was, it, was there ever a case of, hang on, we've, we've just been promoted, we've got, we're quite tight knit and then someone's coming in and I, I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but maybe lecturing or, or saying stuff out of, out of place? No, I don't think so. I think as a, as a football player, you... You want to take as much uh, pedigree off people that you can. Maybe a young one might, you, for myself, helping. I've played 500 games, he's played two. He, he, hopefully he will listen. And it's the same with Esteban, you know. You, you probably spoke to Dino and Dino's played many, many games. But he was still learning off, off a player of, of his calibre. And I think it took him a little bit of time to get used to the speed of... So how we played and how we trained him. But I think once he did, you could see why he's been at the top all his career and why people want to learn from him. 
You touched there on sort of um, helping out sort of younger lads. What were your sort of thoughts of, of Chile when he was when you were playing at Leicester? Because uh, I, and I, I don't speak on behalf of of all Leicester fans, but when he first started it, as it sort of was a case of mm, is he is he got it as he and then he sort of has then kicked on since that point. What in terms of playing that position? What did, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, you obviously listen. Today's generation and game is going one way, and you see the two Liverpool fullbacks. They're like wingers. Chile's got a little bit of that in him. I think sometimes he played in front as a as a left midfielder, so you know he can can go that way. My my little thing with him was if it, if he can defend one on one, and I still like to see him defend a little bit better. But when when you have a lot of the ball, like Leicester do have a lot of the ball, especially at home now. He's, he's licensed to go forward and Pereira the other side I think that's why the, stat, the stats them two have got uh, you can see why because they're very good going attacking wise but I'd like him to do a little bit more defending but let's say he hasn't really had to and the way the team play he might not have to so um, but when I was there you could see that he's going to go and uh, play and play at a high level and fair play to him, he's, cracked, he's pushed right on, got his England caps and fully deserves it. Does it frustrate you as a, as a fullback watching the sort of the, the modern way fullbacks play? Uh, it frustrates me when they're defending because some of them can't defend. They're a fullback and they can't defend. Where I, obviously, when I was coming through, my first job was to defend. Now, I think your first job is to go and create a goal and then defend. So, the football's changed. You, over the, I don't know, I left less than 2015, 16. So over four or five years, it's changed so much that a fullback's a winger now. Um, so you, you have, it does frustrate, but the game's moved on and you have to move on with it. So um, I think at the moment, the, the club and the team have got two fantastic fullbacks, wingers in, in the team. Touching on sort of the, the Liverpool fullbacks, but then going back to your time at Liverpool, how how was that? And are there any similarities? Obviously, the the size of that club. Do you see things that are similar that what we're doing at Leicester? Can we ever get to sort of how they are ran? Or um, obviously, my time was there it was difficult. Uh, they were trying to sell the club. The manager came, got rid of him. He bought me, and he, he went. So it was quite tough. Um, but I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed my experience, and to play for a club like Liverpool was was unbelievable with the players they had. But going on the other question, if Leicester can go, can go that way, I don't see why not. Um, listen, I, and I say it to anybody, the owners, God threw him up there, but uh, Vichai and, and Top, they're probably the best owners I've worked for. Um, and from what they said when I joined the club to what they've done, they've done everything they wanted to do and put their money where their mouth is. So I don't see why not that club can't keep going up, and especially with the manager now and his pedigree. Um, it, won't be, it won't be for too long that Champions League will be regular at the King Power. How important will that be? How, how was it for you, obviously, playing um, in a UEFA Cup final with, with Fulham? How important is that sort of European football? Oh, it's unbelievable. And I think as any footballer and player playing there and at the club, they'll be wanting that every year because the experience you can get as a player, as a fan, as a club, 
going away and playing playing them Europa nights at home, they're, they're second to none and they're probably the best games. And I don't say that away from the Premier League, but they're regular. Them Premier League games are every week, you know what you're getting. And then yeah, European nights are completely different and uh, they're probably one of the best experiences I've, I've had. What about playing for England? Where does that sort of rank on that? Yeah, I love, like I say, as a, as a kid growing up, you want, you want to, or any boy probably wants to be a footballer. I was lucky enough to go and do. Um, and then probably the next dream is to play play for your country. And Did it make it that bit more special that it was at uh, West Ham? Yeah, it did. Um, but I say, I say it quite a bit. I love, I love playing for England. I was probably in the wrong era because they had Ashley Cole and Wayne Bridge. So um, it's a good time for me because two of the best played, which was keeping me out. But uh, on the other hand, it was bad because I, I only had two caps. But to play for your, play for your country, uh, any country, but obviously England's my country, is, is a massive achievement, what I've done in my life and my career. What is that sort of that feeling when you first put on the shirt? Is it sort of just pure emotion, excitement or...? Nervous, you don't want to obviously let your country down and a uh, few goosebumps, you know. And But knowing that you're wearing that shirt and the three lines with pride is was a massive thing for me and my family. You played in some, some massive games. How was it to score in the FA Cup final? <laughs> um, again, it was like a dream come, a cup final and playing for the club I supported as a kid um, was one achievement. But to go and score in a, in a cup final... I just gutted it weren't probably the winner and uh, we went on and won. But obviously people dream of playing in a cup final and I've done, I've done that and I've scored. So it's, a, it's another one that I can tick off and it's, it's a massive achievement. You know, in terms of sort of playing uh, at Leicester and, and the season that we, uh, we stayed up, are you looking at players and thinking, you know what, they've got a really strong chance next year or when the, when the season goes, are you going, you know, they, they could go on and win this or even as a, as a player and someone involved with the club, are you saying, look, it's sooner or later, it's going to sort of fall apart. Are you allowed to think that? Or? No, I don't think you do as a player, you know. You, um, you, you, you do what everyone wants to do. You want to go, you want to train hard, you want to play, for, you want to go, you're training ready for Saturday or Tuesday night preparing for them games. And it's hard work, you know. I know people say you don't train a lot, but we've got to prepare. You've got to prepare right. You've got to eat, drink right. You're playing Saturday. You're playing again Tuesday. So you're, all you're doing and thinking about is making sure you're ready for the next game if you're selected. How was it then for you sort of when you sort of finished football and once football's done, how, how was that for you to adapt into sort of not playing? As my career finished. Well, if yeah, as you say, you get set into that yeah. routine and, and how, yeah. when that routine yeah. so, oh. I, um, At first, it probably sounds funny, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, spending more time with the family, been skiing a few times, which we was never allowed to do when we was playing. But then after that, you like now, two, or two and a half years on, I, I, miss, I miss training every day. I miss the boys. I miss the banter every day, just... Just to, just to have a laugh, you know, you have 25, 30 footballers just having a, having a mess around every day, something different every day. And just to be amongst it is, that's probably the hardest bit. And you've got to come to terms with that. Otherwise, there could be problems. And I'm not, I've not got problems, but you, you, that's the bit I miss, the day-to-day with 
players, staff, and just having a bit of fun. Obviously, did uh, sort of a few of your badges and that. Is there any view to go into sort of full time coaching to get that back? Or uh, yeah, I, I do a little bit at West Ham now, um, but and I know what you mean. But I don't think you'd ever get that that day to day to day banter with thirty blokes. I know when you, when you're the other side, you're, you're a lot more serious and you're trying to lead example for the for the, the kids, if you like, or the older ones. Um, so that won't never come, but to, to go in full-time at a club, then maybe it's something I'll do one day, yeah. You played under some, some good managers. Who, who do you reckon would be, would be number one? Very tough one, but I put them on both the parts, to be fair. I put Nigel and uh, Roy Hodgson, so both of them, uh, uh, they were fantastic managers that I worked for and I enjoyed every minute of them and... Um, if I could work for them again, then I'd, I'd, I'd bite their hand off for it. Do they shape the the manager that you would be if you were to go into that? Or um, I'm not sure. Um, listen, as a footballer, you just want to enjoy it. Roy was quite um, overseas. He worked in Italy for a long time. So he, his training methods and that were very different to Nigel's. Uh, but if I could pick a bit out of both then maybe I could hopefully be one day like them. What was it like then when you played at um, sort of Billericay? And obviously there's, there's a lot said about um, sort of Glenn on, on Twitter and, and everyone has their own opinion. How was, how was that for you? Um, Glenn, fine. He's a fantastic guy, nice guy. And people got their own things on Glenn. But with me, he was fantastic. Um, but... Going to Billericay and playing in that sort of football was an eye-opener. Um, very different. It was probably like being a kid playing grassroots now, but going into going into play that at the back end of my career as a man. So it was very different, an eye-opener. But listen, there's some. There's, there's been fantastic footballers come out, and not, you've got one there yourself. You've got one. So um, there's, there's some great players down there, and. There may, there may be not another Vardy down there, but only time will tell. You played with him for for a for a while. Could you see the the growth that then came? Was it sort of it, in your wildest dreams? Could you have seen him going that far? Um, working with him every day, the attitude he had was fantastic, and I think where he's coming in so late, he wanted to make the most of everything he's got and. If I'm honest, I, I think he's done that. He's got where he has because he's worked hard and he's, he, took, he took it by both hands, knowing that he's come from non-league and, he's, listen, he's, he's been given a lifeline. He's come to Leicester, been given a lifeline and, uh, boy, he's paid them back. So he's, um, he's worked hard for it. Don't get me wrong, he's worked hard and uh, he deserves everything he gets. And as a fan, you'd probably want him back for England. How important is that sort of that attitude side of things? In today's game, massive. Yeah, I think it's massive. I think if you don't buy into uh, what the club want, what the players want, as because there, there's many players been there before he came, or if you go to a new team, I think you have to buy into everything that the club want as a unit and the staff. And and I think if you don't, then on today's today's game, is you might as well go because you're not going to play and. And that's how brutal football's become. Is that difficult as a, as a player for it to be so brutal? I don't think so. 
I think you you can't go somewhere and think you're better than everyone else because um, there's there's a lot of good footballers out there and got a lot of good people. So I think if you're going into somewhere, just make sure you 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 can be confident and but make sure you buy into the philosophy of uh, the club, the players, and 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 the experience of it all. How important for um, for sort of young football is that sort of social image and uh, and the presence off the field? Uh, like we knocked on it earlier, but I think as a young boy now, there's so much money out there, and there's young ones earning a, a lot, a lot of money. Which fair play to them. I'm not taking that away, but like you say, there the image and what comes with that is probably because of what they're getting. Yeah in their wage packet. So um, if I could advise anyone is just be, be yourself and be, be who you are for what you are and fair play, whatever you get, you don't need to flaunt it. Just look after it and make sure you be yourself and you, you, you don't be no different around anybody. Is that then frustrating as a senior player to, to sort of watch some of the young lads maybe going a, a bit too far? Or um, I think in today's game that an older one would tell them, and put them in their place. Um, and I, I'd like to think they would because, like you say, the older ones now, listen, there's loads of money in the game, wherever you are, but um, them older ones probably wouldn't have got that when they was younger. So um, they've worked so hard for what they've got. So I think an older one now would put them in their place and just a little telling off, which they know they can't do again. Have we gone too far now, would you say? With money? Yeah. <sighs> I, I think so, yeah. Um, listen, you, you you could not play a first-team game and be on £20,000 a week, which is ridiculous in my eyes. But as a kid, you're not going to turn it down if, if someone's giving you that. So, um, as long, like I say, as, as long as it doesn't change you and when you get that opportunity, you, you show them why, I've, fair play. But if you if you just, if you're in it for the, for the money and, you don't want to try and you don't want to train properly, you don't want to play properly, then I, I, it's it, it's not good. Would you say that there are sort of a lot of kids out there that are in it solely for the money or? So I don't, I don't want to comment on a lot of kids because I don't obviously know what what kids and what the people I've been around, I think, um, and you know they're on some good money, but they're normal people. And listen, there's players in less than you probably know a load of them that's on good money and probably probably good kids. So um, I think if you've got the right upbringing and the, the right people around you, I, f- I think them young ones will be fine. In going into sort of West Ham and working at West Ham, what are the big differences that you, you sort of see from, from your time when you were growing up? They, they, they have, like Leicester boys probably would, they, they have day release, so they come in out of school and they... So they come in and they do school, they do football, which we, we never ever done it when I was young so for them to do that three times a week is is an unbelievable achievement but I for me they need to grasp that and know it's, this is what this is what happens when you come into the building now you're working this ain't you ain't going to school this is this is work and this is what we do at work and don't think you can come in and out if you have to be there till five then work till five o'clock because this, this is your life is that difficult to sort of get that across to, to young lads? Is enough done to sort of get them ready? Um, I think it depends where you are and what club you're at. Listen, the higher academies, they've, they've probably got people in there that 
that help young boys like that. But lower down you go, probably not. It's probably difficult for them to know what what it's going to take to to go out and make it as a footballer. If you take, say, a club like Chelsea, who have a massive group of thousands of, of young kids, as as a as a as a dad, or would you be looking at getting a, a child into a, an academy like that and saying? look, that's going to be best for their development? Or would you rather them be in, in somewhere where there is that sort of... Say if you take um, Madison, for example, playing in the Leicester side now, was at Coventry, came through, played for them, and then got his move. Which which of the two would you prefer? As a dad? Uh, well, as, a, as someone involved in the game, but as a dad, yeah. Um, listen, I, I want my boy to learn. And I, I personally, I'd, I'd rather them be in a lower academy like you say, Madison, go and do it there. Prove to people that you can do it and why you should be higher. And the rest takes care of itself. As long as you do everything while you're there to prove people you shouldn't be here, then the rest takes care of itself. And be fair to Madison, he's he's gone on and done that and he's got two great moves. Do you think we've gone a, a long way too far with sort of these academies taken in it, it seems from the outside in say if you say Chelsea for example they they take young lads they ship them abroad and then they just sell them when they come back and it looks as though it's completely a money-making exercise what sort of your thoughts on that yeah well you can say that uh, and I probably agree with you the, the bigger clubs and I, sometimes I look at that and think are you taking them ones just so this club can't have him that's the, that's the impression I get from the bigger ones if you like especially as as a young one, you probably don't cost a lot of money to keep them and take them and ship them away, like you say, just so X, Y and Z can't have them. And that's one, he wants them, but we'll have him, so we ship him there. You can't have him. So for me, yeah. But And I, and I think there should be a rule that you can only have a certain amount to go out of way abroad and, and, and to play and learn their trade. Do you think the danger is that we become... And, and and we probably are already to a certain extent, but obviously as, as a club, we're we're not we're one of the ones that competing. But do you reckon there's uh, we get to the point where it is literally just the four big superpowers uh, in in the league, and then say maybe uh, Spain is exactly the same, and it just gets concentrated at the top? Um, you like to think not because it's going to ruin football, but it's going to ruin the Premier League, um, and I, I'd like to think it's not going to go that way just so there's more competition at the top, more competition at the bottom, and the minute ones in in, in, in between as well. So um, I like to think, like you say, I like to think that ain't going to happen and it, it won't go that way. From playing in sort of the Premier League and then when you went to QPR and then t- to Gillingham and, and then to Billericay, is there massive gulfs from money in the Premier League and then all the way down? And, and is, does that damage the leagues below? Is it Do we get to a point where it's, the Premier League is the only league that matters and everyone behind is sort of forgotten about, so to speak. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think unless you've got a, a big owner in the lower leagues and the money doesn't filter down from the from the top, so the the, the so-called lower lower clubs are, are going to struggle and, and do struggle, you know, Training rounds and pitches on match days uh, are probably not up to standard that that obviously the top ones are. So, but that filters down to the, the money and what where they put their money on players recruitment or, or onto the pitch. So, uh, things like 
things like that is is a there's a massive massive gap how um, is that then as a as a player playing in those sort of although albeit you, you only did it at the end of your career but how is that as a player playing in sort of that that further down the leagues listen you want to be a footballer so you have to get on with it but from from going from where I did to there it was tough well, I was lucky I, I played where I played and I was lucky and, and when I'm done what I've done but some of them boys might not know no different because they've been at their or them two or three leagues all their career so uh, but Madison for instance he might have seen a difference going from Coventry to Norwich then Norwich to obviously Leicester um, and I think he went to Scotland as well on loan so um, his experience would be a lot different as well from going from where he went to where he is and what what that club's got now so um, he's done it the other way around and I, I've we, we reversed really so it was um, it's an eye opener mate and the, the lower clubs I feel they should get a little bit more help especially for training grounds and um, preparation for match days and things like that as a player who and I, I know you, you weren't there a, a great deal of time but then you went over to, and played at Liverpool was there a case of whilst you were there is a club that big that it loses that sort of that close knit feeling or um, I'm not sure. When I went there, you probably when you've been there, you they love football up there. Um, you, they either love Liverpool or Everton, so it's so small that it's so small, but the football's so big. So I think the the tightness of Liverpool fans was so tight, and everything about the club is is so close and knit together, and I'm, and I'm. I'm probably saying it because there's only two clubs there and you're either red or blue. So it makes it even tighter. So the the the, the stature of the club don't don't lose its fit really. You know it's a big football club because whoever you talk to, they'll either Liverpool or Everton. So the club's always getting spoke about. The training ground's top, the, the stadium's top, and it's um you can see it's a it's a massive football club. As a player, do you take a sort of right? This is how I'm I'm going to deal with fans, or do you try and be yourself, or how does that, how does that work? And I've always been really good. I I do I do this for my living. They they support the club or me, or so you have to be yourself with them. Um, so I try I just try and be myself with 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 fans and people that want to speak about the football because. Joe Bloggs might wanted wanted to be a player and he's never been able to and he wants to know any experiences and I've I've got a lot of time for for, for fans and for people that want to talk because um, one day I might need to speak to them about what they do and I'd like to think they can give me some feedback. Is that easier when it's when it's all going well than when it when it's going badly? Or? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, but I think you get that whatever club you play for, however well you're doing, when you're or the team's playing well, the fans you know they, they love you. When the team's in a bit of bother or they're struggling and there's all moans and groans, then they, they hate you. You shouldn't be there. Um, but that's their opinion. But you need to be, that's where you need to be tough minded and think, right, I won't let that happen again. I'll, I'll, I'll crack on and hopefully next time I'll, I'll be one of them ones that they all want to talk to. Is it hard that sort of that receiving that criticism or do you have to, to grow sort of a thick skin and just choose to ignore it? 
yeah, of course it's hard, especially when you've got family in the stand and people slagging you off. And but as a player, you you have to be thick-skinned. You know, you you you're out there to do a job. Um, you hear everything that goes on. Like, people think you can't. You can hear everything, so you know when you're getting a bit of stick. And I think if you let that get to you, your your game goes. Even if you're five out of ten, you're going to a three out of ten. Um, so you need to be. You need to grow some thick skin and bounce it off, and worry about what you're doing, and worry about that after. What was um, the biggest regret you had at Leicester? Do you, do you have one? Looking back now, it's probably <laughs> I, I, I left to go to QPR and yeah. um, I won, won won the Premier League. That's probably the, one of the massive regrets I have. But it's all if buts and maybes, you know. I could have stayed there for the year and not not kicked a ball, and I still would have got a medal. So. Um, if if I had to look back at my four or five years there, then that would probably be one of the worst things that would would have happened to me. Is that then difficult for you to just to be on the sidelines and 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 sort of to, well not the sidelines literally, but to be at, at QPR and and to be watching? Or when I, when when I went to QPR, um, I I spoke to someone at Leicester most most weeks. I I've got uh, a con a connection at the club that. Uh, I probably shouldn't say it, but I spoke to the only the other day. I spoke to the top the other day, mate, just just to make sure things are all right. And he said, uh, "Your family good." So I've got a connection that I can speak to the people that are still there when I was there, the physio and Mike Stow and uh, people in the, in the in the back. I, I still speak to them. So the connection I had there was it was probably easier going to QPR rather than being shipped out forgotten about or like pied off so the connection I had that I was I was pleased the club and the team were doing well more, more probably for the owners because I had that relationship with them and players Casper Vards Wes Morgan and people like that Drinky Simo so I, I've got a good connection with them all and it probably made it easier that I, I was there but I still was talking to them and I didn't have that grudge is that rare to have uh, to, to play in a team? And obviously, you've you've played at a number of clubs. Is it rare to play in a team that is that sort of you remain friends with them so far or after you've left? And do, do you get that? Are you friends with everyone you've you've played no, with? No, no. Listen, football's a it's an arse world. You know, once you leave, you sometimes you you, you forget and you, you see them now and again and you say hello. But um, I think I said it right at the start that the, the bond we had as, as as a, as a team and a unit, um, and I've kept, we've kept that. Well, I've kept that, and people like Kingy, been there forever, and I still speak to Kingy now and again. And um, I just think it it proves and and how a relationship the club have with players and ex players and um, everyone that goes to the club. How was that for you then to sort of to join the club having? Of a very successful and an established career already, and then to be adopted by the fans and to be to be enjoyed and, and and sort of the club to take you in and and to gain like when you joined Leicester, did you did you in your wildest dreams think that you were going to find a club that you got on so well with? No, you know when you when you play and you 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 sit down and think, well, I'm signing here. I could move on in two years, but it was probably the longest club I stayed at, Leicester. Um, so that tells you a lot straight away. It's probably it's very rare now you get someone stay at a club all their career. I know now and again you do, but um, 
So I had four, four or five years there, like I say. And um, when I went there, it felt right, you know. And I know the manager left, but a new manager came. He took to me, I took to him. And um, the, the, the club as itself, and you, you tell me different, but I think just the club and the fans are, are close together and they're, they're really, really good, good tight-knit of thousands and thousands of people. How important on the pitch are the, the fans for you? Massively, they get right behind you, you know, it gives you that extra boost, uh, especially the King Power on a Tuesday or Wednesday night was, was a great place to go and play. Um, under them lights was, was a fantastic place. And when you played Atletico Madrid in the, in the, in the quarterfinal, I think, I yeah. came back for the night and it unbelievable play, rocking, and I loved every minute of it. And rather been out there, but as, as an ex-player fan, it was, it was an unbelievable place. We get a bit of stick for it, but you know the, the change to the to the clappers that they started using. Can you can you hear that? Does that have an effect on the players? I don't think it has an effect, but you can hear it, yeah. Um, especially at the start when they're all going and banging and whacking and you can you can actually hear it. So um I think sometimes the more noise you make, the better. Is that does that then reflect in the in the style of play? And obviously with the view to to the to the games going behind closed doors, is that something that we will massively lose as as, a, as an industry. As, well, not as an industry, because an industry makes it. I know it is an industry, but, but first and foremost, it's a sport, isn't it? And it's it's a hobby and, and stuff that people enjoy. Yeah, ma- massively. And as a player, do you want to play behind closed doors? No. Do you want to hear your, your voice echoing? No. Um, so it's going to be tough. Some players live on people shouting and screaming and. Um, like I said earlier, the, the, the fans are that extra extra voice and extra man and one nil down or whatever and you need someone shouting and screaming, there's going to be no one there to do it. And it's going to, it's going to be weird. It's going to be funny. And if it does happen, it's, it's going to be an experience for a, a lot of people and for everyone, really. What are your thoughts on it as someone who's played not so long ago? What If you were... If you were playing for Leicester now, what would you want them to be coming out and say? I think they need to hurry up and make a decision what they're doing. So players, fans, the club know where we're at. Um, that's point one. I think that we, we all need to know, are, are we going to do it or, or we're not? Yes or no? And if we are, when's the latest we're going to start? Because you can keep waiting and waiting and waiting, but... The longer you wait, the more more you're going to have to wait to training because you've had, I don't know, six weeks off and you can't just go straight back into a, a game like that. So you're going to need three or four weeks to mini pre-season, if you like. And then that's that's one month done and then you're going to have nine nine games left, eight games left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, yeah. I think it's nine, yeah. So you're going to do two or, two a week or what? I, I don't know how they're, going to, how they're going to do it. But first and foremost, I think they need to say... We are going back. We're aiming. This is a date, and if this ain't, we're going to have to say it's a nil by void. Will the players be wanting to go back? I think they'd be desperate to, if it's safe. Yeah. Um, listen, I take my little boys' football team. I'm desperate to go back, so I can imagine the the the, the, the Premier League boys desperate to get back and. All right, they're off. They're off now, but they're, and they're training. But it's not the same, you know. You go into training. You, you, like I said, you, you're with all your mates, and 
having a bit of a laugh, then you go back to your family, which is good. Um, so that fitness levels, you, all right, you keep them, but then they're not like match day fitnesses. So you're going to have to go back. And I think they need to say you can, we're looking to start here. So it gives you a three or four week gap to train. This is when we're starting. This is when we're finishing. But only if it's safe for players to go back. Talking on that sort of that fitness side of things, how difficult was that for you when you when you finished playing football? Was it hard then to then sort of you 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 were having to be like super fit, super fit to 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 do something, and then when you stopped, is it do you lose that or? I think different people are different. Like I I still go out now every day and run because um, I think you played football for twenty years, you're naturally always. Every day you're doing something, so you're moving and you're fit. So to just to stop, I think it would be hard. Um, so mentally as well, I, I, I go out every day and I run. So um, a lot of people say to me, why do you keep doing it? But I think because I've always done it in my life, it's like you say, it's just so hard to stop like that and, and forget about it. But it may be a mental thing as well that I like to go out and just clear my head and run and know I've done something. Would you still have it in, in the locker if you needed to get your boots on after this sort of comes back out? Or? I'll, I'll put the last 90 minutes, but <laughs> um, I, think, I think I could still play at A level, but yeah. listen, there's a, there's a point and there'll be a point where every footballer that you, it's for the next generation and the, the younger ones now are coming through and if I can give anything back to them to help them, then uh, I'm here to be counted on, really. So is that sort of where you would want to, to go more of a sort of a, um educator, mentor role than, than sort of management? Or? Um, I could, listen, I never say never in management. I'd like to give it a go. Uh, but it's got to be at the right time and probably the right club. So if I can help and mentor, don't even have to be young ones, you know, like 20, 21-year-olds, if I can help them, and give something back that might just help them to go and do something a little bit different. Then, if I see that paying off, then it's it's uh, it, that pleases me as much as it would by playing another game. Do you think enough is done for sort of ex players to be able to give back, or is it something that you have to you have to contact someone to be able to say I want to? Should it be the other way around, and should your ex clubs be getting in contact with you and saying, Look, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think ex-clubs should maybe ask ex-players if they would like to or would come in and help. Chilwell, for instance, for me, come in and do a little bit with him and mentor him and watch his games and, and, and feedback to him, really. Um, not just me, but there's been loads of footballers that's played thousands of games, hundreds of games. And if that one little percent can help a little bit more, then that team or that player gains on that. And... I think that would be a great role for people to come back and help the, help the players in, in, in place at the minute. Do you watch games and think, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and feel like, if only I could get that across? Or um, I sometimes watch. I, I find it hard watching, probably because of that reason. I don't want to be saying things about other people. that It's, it's hard, you know? I, I've played many games, and you know how difficult it is uh, if a right winger's running at you or you've got to defend this and you're doing that. So it's hard to criticise when you, you've been there yourself. So I try, if I do watch, 
I just watch the game as as a fan rather than watching an individual and trying to pick bad points and good points in people. A question that came in um, slightly tongue in cheek, but it, it can sort of lead into more was: um, Is there a, a Leicester discount in the uh, the pie and mash shop? <laughs> Only if you come down this way, yeah. <laughs> you come down to Essex first. How was that for you? Sort of um, once you sort of finished football, was that had you always sort of um, been viewed to, to sort of that sort of slightly business entrepreneurial side no. of things? Or no, listen, mate, this. this um, that calf pie mash shop is more for my mum. Um, obviously, it's got Conji's calf and that because of me and my mum. But I got it really for my mum just to do. And my mum, my mum runs it, and I, I just leave all that to her. So I'm really and truly, I'm nothing to do with it. I pop in now and again, and I've, there's been a few times there's been a few football people in there, but um, there's really nothing to do with me. So what's the go-to? What's the uh, the number one on the menu? A lot of people have a, a lot of people have a fry up. Or then people have like two pie, two mash, and liquor. Do you, do you add any or not? No, it's not really. It's a bit, bit southern for us. <laughs> <laughs> what um, in terms of though, when you were coming to the end of your career, were you looking to sort of right when I finish, this is what I want to do? Obviously, I, I spoke to Dino, and he he struggled with that when he was coming to the end of his career because he wasn't completely sure he was going to finish. And he says if he could go back he would have done this and this and this. What about for you? How was that for you? It's an hard, that's an hard one because when I was, or knew I was coming towards the end and I weren't going to play the year where I didn't play, I was quite lucky. I went into West Ham and done a little bit of mentoring because the academy manager then was my academy manager when I was at Charlton as a kid. So he asked me, me and Matthew Upson at the time, it was said, would you come in and work with blah, blah, blah. And it, I quite enjoyed it, but I didn't know if I really wanted to do that. Um, so it's probably more like I do it because you're fast and I still want to be in football in some way. Let's test the water, really. So coming towards the end, and Dino might have been the same, I didn't really know what I wanted, wanted to do. Is that then, is that then difficult? How, how do you, as a person, how do you deal with, with coming to a point where you're in sort of the uh, sort of not the not the middle of your life but um you're at a point where you understand how the world works but you're kind of sort of stuck as a crossroads how is how is that yeah a little bit because like you said right at the start you had a you had a schedule you get up you go going to work you're training you're doing this and when you finish you you get up and you've got 24 hours in front of you what what am I going to do um so mentally, really, really difficult. Um, like I said, I think I got I got good people around me, and more that I went in to do that mentoring stuff probably helped because it made me go out and do something, and it made me my brain think this is this is what I need to help, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. Um, but for people that don't know, and like like myself, I didn't know, and. Um, I think just to get up out of your bed to go and make sure you do something helps mentally. Um, if that means you go you go out for a three-hour walk and you can think things on, this is my next step, and try and get a plan in place ready for when you are ready to sit down and do something. Did you lean on ex-footballers and, and sort of say, look, what did you do when you got to this point? Or... Um, 
as footballers, are you then, are you sort of too, um, too proud to, to, to sort of do that or? Uh, no, not really. I, I spoke to, because he was there at the time, Matthew Upson. Obviously, he's gone into the media stuff. So, um, when we used to do some stuff and he was, a, he, he was a good coach, to be fair. He just said, I don't think this is for me. Like, I don't, I don't want to do the coaching and, and he went. He led a different different path, and he, he's cracked on with his media. So, I think it's a little bit trial and error. I think, um, especially being a footballer, you, for me anyway, I speak on my own behalf. I didn't know really nothing different than football. So I come out of school. I was football, played for twenty years. My football's ended, and I'm stuck. Really, what what next for me? Um, so. I think if as you're playing now and if you're a bit younger, try and think of something for after, even though you think it's a long way, a long way off, it's not. It's it's around the corner. Um, I remember someone saying to me, like, you've only got 10 years. Yeah, 10 years, that's ages. It comes upon you like that. So you, you need to be ready for, for something as soon as you're ready to stop or, God forbid, anything happens, you need to stop. Do you then? Do you think enough's done for for players when they get to the end? Obviously, the PFA and people like that are trying to do courses and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but maybe not. I think you, especially like you said, going to a club and putting yourself up for helping the younger ones. Could could the could the PFA or could someone say like, we want these players? Are you interested? And put put it onto you more than you have to worry about going to them. Is there um, sort of any any plans for you sort of to, to do any work with the media or? I, I, I'm trying to get into it, to be fair, mate. I, this is what I want to do. Um, just before all this happened, I, I started doing a bit on talk sport and all that, but uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to lead, lead my way down to do a bit of media rather than anything else, if I'm honest with you. What, just because that's what you in, enjoy most or? Yeah, I think... Um, Listen, I, I've done the co- I've done a little bit of coaching, and I, I like the little ones doing the coaching the little kids, but um, the the older ones I'm not sure. I, I'd have to revisit it, but I think the media stuff as well is I can so just say tomorrow I had a, I had a gig, but so I'm I can work my week around what I got really. So I don't know about your stuff, but you might know what you're doing for the next three weeks. So your days off or whatever you're doing, you you know. So I think the media stuff helps me because I've got two kids and if I, it was if I'd done something Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I know Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm free. Yeah, I get what you mean. I'm happy to sort of wrap up wrap up there, mate. If if you are, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. No, I loved it. Yeah, really good. No, good. Um, sort of, where can people find you if if they want to get in contact with you more? Well, obviously on on Twitter, I think I'm conch free. And uh, my Instagram's Paul Conch. DM me on them and I'll be free to do anything you want, mate. Thank you for coming on. I I really enjoyed that. Sound. See you, mate. See ya. Cheers, mate. Bye. As we come to the end of episode eight, I just want to say thank you for sticking with it. Hope you enjoyed. Just a small reminder that the next episodes are Ian Walker, episode nine, and Richie Wellens, episode 10. If you have any questions, please send them in. Make sure that you get on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, get involved and again guys thank you for the support stay safe and ensure that you are keeping well cheers guys